Preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of light and mystery and wonder and presence, for these ancient words, we pray that they might allow us to hear a word for us this day. And we make this prayer in the power of the word, the Christ. Amen. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay everyone, to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the city gates. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say come, and let everyone who hears say come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. It's been a while since I've been able to be here in the flesh with you, but I've been with you in spirit, so it's lovely to be with you both in spirit and in flesh. Let us continue to listen for God's word to us this day from the Gospel of St. John, the chapter 17. Uh, You may follow along in the bulletin or just listen as you are sitting here. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Abba, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Abba, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous one, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I them. May God add a blessing to this word. So happy Easter. Kind of feels weird, right? Here we are. It's, it is still Christ, it's still Easter, almost Christmas. No, not quite yet. <laughs> we are still observing Christ's resurrection, even though it's been six weeks, a month and a half. That seems like a very long time. I don't know for you, but a lot has happened for me in that time. Um, I was in the middle, 
smack dab in the middle of a semester that is now done, all graduated with the students who are going out, and I have turned in my grades, and now I'm done with that. That's a lovely thing. So six, and a, six weeks ago, I was in the middle of all of that. Two days after Easter, I stepped off a curb, fractured my foot, and tore ligaments, and have been really laid low since then. So a lot has happened there as well. Um, lots has happened in our world. Every single day, lots happens in our world. And so it feels like a long time ago that we were celebrating Easter. And yet here we are, still celebrating Easter. Until next week, when we get to celebrate the beginning of the church and the spirit imbuing us and bringing us together. Easter season is longer than Lent that leads up to it. We are asked and invited to observe uh, Jesus' resurrection longer than the time that it takes to prepare for it. But we kind of forget about that because basically every Sunday is an observation of Easter. It's a reminder that Christ has risen and God's love conquers death and that God's love gathers us together. So it doesn't feel as special as those times in Lent when we're preparing ourselves. So we put a little more emphasis on Lent and the preparation for it than we do on Easter and the living out of it. But that's our invitation today, is to consider how do we get lost in the kind of ordinary of life and forget this special, intriguing, and powerful love that calls us in and binds us together. We are living in a post-resurrection life. We are being invited into those stories of resurrection, into those sightings of Jesus, into the confusion of what does this mean, and into this building of community that came out of it. This time of coming together and saying, oh, the one that we had been with, the one that we thought was gone, is not gone, is actually still here with us, is still here calling us forth, bringing the best out of us wishing for the wholeness of everyone and working for that so that we can all be experiencing God's wholeness and healing and love. This year, our lectionary cycle is very full of readings from Revelation, this book that ends all of the writings that we have gathered together. Many of us, my preacher friends and I, run away from Revelation I don't know if you spend much time reading it. It's one of those books that's very confusing. And we run away from it because there's just a lot of violence in it. There's a lot of confusing imagery. There's been years and years of usage of it, trying to be very literal about, well, it says this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen, and then it will be the end times. And I grew up in a tradition that studied all of that very literally and tried to pinpoint when will God be coming again and who's going to be in and who's going to be out. This book was used in a very damaging way. And so for me, I tend to be one of those ones that likes to run away and say, mm, isn't that interesting that that's in the scriptures? Let's look over here at the Gospel of John. But whenever I feel that way, whenever I'm trying to run away from something, I know that that's when the Spirit's telling me, stay, stay put, be a part of this conversation, wrestle with it. Now today I got lucky, even though I hadn't read the lectionary before I agreed to preach this day, 
always a thing I should do. I tell myself this all the time, and then I get stuck with these interesting texts to wrestle with. But today, our scripture from Revelation isn't quite so bad, thanks to the people who chose the sections to read. If you notice, it's not just from this starting verse to that ending verse. It's this little bit, this little bit, this little bit, put all together. Even the people who put together the lectionary were like, um, let's skip over these bits for right now. Our point is other than that. There are pieces in there, and there are pieces throughout the book of Revelation that kind of lead us into this in-out thinking, this us-them thinking. Who's got it? Who doesn't? Who gets to get into heaven? Who doesn't? How do we know? How do we judge? But that's not the point. And so the people who chose the readings for today said, if we include all of that, that kind of undermines that piece in the middle that says, come, all who are thirsty, come. It's not a, if you've done the right things, if you believe the right things, if you say the right words, come. It's come, all who are thirsty. So they decided, all right, let's just pick and choose so that the message can be clear that all are welcome. It's really easy for us to get caught up in that us-them thinking, in that in-out thinking. We are looking today at scriptures who are written to people who were very much caught up in that kind of thinking. The Gospel of John and the Revelation of John are written to communities who have been ostracized, who are being pushed out because their own understanding of who God is as demonstrated in the life of Jesus was making them say things and act in ways that were different from others. And those others felt uncomfortable by it. And so they said, you can't be a part of us anymore because you are just too different. And so in their hurting and in their confusion about being pushed away from community, they started to do the same. Have you heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? That's what's happening here. In the group of people that are being addressed by the Gospel of John, they've been hurt. They've been ostracized. So now they're starting to do the same. Well, you know, if we're being pushed out, then... I'm going to push this person out because to feel better, I need to feel like I have some control. And so if I'm being pushed out of this group, I'm going to push you out. We see this happening all the time, even in our world today, especially in our world today. People who are hurt hurt others to make themselves feel better. But it's only a glancing kind of feeling better. It's not really a true, deep feeling better about themselves if they really stop and look at what they're doing, I believe their hearts would convict them that this is not the way we're meant to be together. But these communities, both those, the one being addressed by the Gospel of John and the one uh, in the Revelation of John, both of these communities are feeling this. They have been hurt. They have been ostracized. And so they're trying to make sense of this crazy world and then come these words in both of these readings today. First in the Revelation chapter, come, take the water of life as a gift. 
And then in the Gospel of John saying, Jesus praying to God saying, I want them to be filled with your love. I want them to be one with you like I am one with you. Because I am one with you, God, they can be one with you because I am one with them as well. What comforting words. What beautiful words that can fill people up and calm that feeling of hurt that comes from being ostracized and cut out. What an offering of acceptance. You can belong. You do belong already. Those are words that I know bring great comfort to me. And I'm guessing they probably do to you as well. We belong, not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we have believed. We belong. Simply through the invitation of God. Come, be filled with the water of life. Be filled with God's love. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with us being welcomed and belonging. Both of these uh, references tell us that it is to then be shared. It says, come. Let all who hear this say, come. You don't just come yourself. You hear it, you respond, and then you offer that too. You say the words, come, to others. Jesus says, let those who know me know that they are loved, but then let the whole world know that they are loved because of the words of these who were with me. They weren't supposed to just hear it themselves. They were to hear it and share it. It's not a just taking. It's being a vessel, as Clara Vassisi says, being a vessel for God's compassionate love, letting it fill us and letting it flow through us so that God's love is known throughout the whole world, not just in this us, whoever this us is, but in all of us the whole of, an, of the creation. It's hard, though. It's hard to be united in love. It's much easier to be divided. It's, it's easier to walk away from somebody that we disagree with. It's easier to shut them out and to not listen to them and not try to engage with them. There's no need to work on relationship if we can just walk away. Sometimes that work is very steep, requires a lot of us. But Jesus prayed for our unity. What does unity look like, though? I'm going to start with what it's not. Unity does not mean that we are to give up our own personhood. If another will not acknowledge who we are, we are not to buy into that and be diminished by that. That is not unity. It does not mean giving up our status as a beloved child of God. If someone else tells us that we are wrong and that God doesn't love us for something that we're doing or something that we are, that isn't unity. We are beloved children of God no matter who we are no matter how we express it. We may be sometimes acting in ways that need forgiveness, but 
we are not diminished in our being loved by God because of who we are, no matter what others think. And it doesn't mean that we are to be held back from seeking God's wholeness and healing. No matter what others think, God does not say that unity means any of that. So often we, we internalize these sayings from others that, that somehow we're wrong or that we need to change to be able to accept God's love. And that's not what unity means. But what it does mean, in my understanding, is holding people accountable. I used to be an elementary and middle school teacher. And boy, did those kids need to be held accountable. They would try everything to kind of see what their boundaries were, to see how far they could push it. But they actually liked my classroom when I was able to hold boundaries. Whether they understood the boundary or if they even agreed with it or not wasn't really the thing that mattered the most. As long as I could show there was some kind of logic to the rule that I was making them agree to or, or follow, and as long as I held it consistently, no matter who the person was, whether it was somebody that they thought was the star student or whether it was somebody who they thought was always in trouble, if I held it consistently, they knew they were in a safe space. They knew what to expect. Holding boundaries is a kind of love for one another so that we know when we're stepping outside of that and we know when we've done something that isn't good for the unity of God's communion and creation. So unity doesn't mean not holding boundaries. It actually means more so holding boundaries. And at the same time, while we're holding those boundaries, acknowledging that all are beloved creatures of God. Yesterday, you may have uh, known that there was a streaming service in, uh, in remembrance of Rachel Held Evans, who was a, a, a young theologian who had been in the evangelical world and had become disillusioned with it. She was very vocal in her understanding that the way she had been brought up was not the way that she felt God really wants the world to be. She got a lot of flack for speaking out against the, the teachings of her upbringing that she felt were unnecessarily hurting and alienating people instead of welcoming them in. Yesterday and leading up to yesterday, there was just this outpouring of love from people who felt welcomed because of her, like Jenna was saying to the children. Someone who said, you know what, I see you as you're hurting, and I'm going to hold this space for you, and I'm going to let you know that you are loved. We need more people like that in this world, people who are willing to say, this is wrong, and all are loved by God. Jesus spent a lot of time struggling with those with whom he disagreed. We have a lot of stories in the Gospels about how he's telling the religious leaders, no, you got it wrong. Or, more often, showing the religious leaders, no, you got it wrong. Often they would come to him saying, well, why are you doing this? Trying to trick him into condemning himself. And he would just simply continue to act out God's amazing, all-encompassing love. He worked and spoke to definitely put them back into the stream of God's love, showing them that they were not truly following it, 
but he never, ever made them feel like they were not a part of God's love. He never put them down. He never excluded them from being part of God's creation. He simply continued to work to show that God's love was for all. Maybe you've heard that today we were offered a, a, a call to pray for our leader of this world, of this world, yeah, of this country. Franklin Graham has called for us to pray for the president. Many of my colleagues, when we first heard that, went, what? Hmm, I don't know that I could do that. But we are called to pray that God's love will be made very real for all people in this world, including those who do things that hurt. We, may, we need to pray for God to work through these people and to soften their hearts. Like Moses prayed for Pharaoh, saying, please let this person know that what they are doing is hurting others, and it's not what you have in mind. It's not an easy thing. I'll admit that. But that's the beauty of being a vessel of God's love. It's not about me. It's about me letting God work through me. I have to say the words, hoping that God will transform my heart. When I have something against another that makes it hard for me to pray for them, I have to let God flow through me so that God's love is the thing that's evident and not me. The expansive love of God is a justice issue. Jesus came so that the world could experience God's love embodied, first to those who knew him personally, and then to the whole world through their testimony. All who are thirsty are welcome to come. We are not the gatekeepers. We are the door openers. We are to leave it to God to pour God's love out as God will. When we experience doors closing, we are compelled to speak out and act out, to say that that is not right, that Christ's message was that all are welcome, that injustices are not what God has called for. But in the process, we should never diminish others. We need to fall back on that invitation to be vessels of God's love. I love how the Spirit works. As I was writing this sermon, I thought, they will know we are Christians by our love. And then we sang that. I love how the Spirit works through all of us working together to create worship together and to bring through God's message in beautiful ways. That is really what Jesus was asking us to do. Let the world know that we are Christians through our love. On my taxi ride here this morning... Uh, the man that was driving said that he had taken a couple of ladies to church earlier in the day, and I said, well, you're taking me to church too. (laughs) And he's like, oh, hmm, well, I'm pretty liberal. I don't really believe in going to church. And so then he was, he's like, you know, I kind of got that from my grandmother who was very liberal, and I didn't have the heart to tell him I'm pretty liberal myself. But um, he he kept going, and he's like, well, I guess the biggest reason I have, I, I can't go to church is because there's just so much hypocrisy. They don't do what they say in church on Sunday morning throughout their lives during the week. And I'm like, yeah, can't argue with that. It's really a very 
much in line with what I was thinking today. We need to show God's love out in the world. They need to know that we are God's children, God's beloved, and that they are too by the way that we embody God's love. Jesus came to give us an example of how to embody God's love. How are we doing that? We're to be disciples of Jesus, following his example, letting God's love embody us so that God's love can then be shared. That is our invitation today. That is our invitation always, to go forth from this place being filled with the water of life, with God's love, not so that we can hold on to it, but so we can share it with others. May it be so. Amen.